This is Talk Is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Well, Mr. Rensmag, how goes the battle, my friend? It's going good. How's it going with you, Kingfish CEO Kyle Stelter? Kyle Stetler, like they like to call me. Yeah, the <laughs> oh, my uh, yeah awesome. Awesome, man. So lots of energy and lots of excitement. We got the Kamloops Convention AGM coming up. And uh, I'm, I'm totally pumped. We've all been working hard. Everyone's flat out. This is a hard time of year for us, but uh, it's an invigorating time of year. Uh, so pretty stoked. We had a freaking amazing Northern fundraiser in Dawson Creek a few uh, weeks back and just uh, really energized for Kamloops. So pumped about it. Yeah, looking forward to being Kamloops back in person. It's it's going to be something else. This whole show season just seems to fly by even you know, we have our couple of shows and we're we're busy doing other things and we're at outdoor shows it's just it's all a blur for the first few months of the year yeah and then uh and then we get to relax and go spring bear hunting and a whole bunch of other cool stuff but i heard there's some really cool african mounts coming to uh Kamloops this year i heard that somebody was hunting with bosvel jacobs in south africa and just uh what what's the story there yeah, finally, last May, we went hunting with Bosfeld Jacobs, the wife and I, and we wrangled up some animals, and uh, they arrived in an airplane just today, went down there, went down to Delta, picked them up in my truck, and unboxed it in the garage today. It was fe- Christmas in February for me. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was a pretty good trip, eh? Like you, you still, I, you know, every once in a while you'll send a picture over and I'm just like, yeah, oh, it looks pretty epic, man. It's incredible. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. If if you've got the opportunity to throw a few extra dollars around in Kamloops at that auction, you got to do it. You got to go see Rian and the boys out there and you're in for one heck of a good time. That's the one thing I keep hearing over and over. We keep working with Boswell Jacobs, and uh, there's a reason for it. We just hear such great reviews, and um, it's always kind of been secondhand, uh, but people we knew well, like uh, the Midwest boys talked about them. Um, some of our, our local people here have hunted with them, but uh, then you went over there and you know get that firsthand experience to report back. and uh, So you know we're, we're pretty excited. We're going to have one or two hunts on our Kamloops uh, auction with Boswell Jacobs and um, yeah, I've, from what I hear, there's uh, there's not much disappointment going over there. No, and I'll s- sneak some mounts up to Kamloops, let people see them, and maybe pump those numbers up on the auction. Yeah, right on. So uh, this was another one of our Sheep Week throwbacks. It's uh, episode one fourteen, and we we were in for a treat with Tannis Barkman. Uh, she is a riot. She's hilarious. She's She's hardcore, man. Like I, I'll tell you, I opened my eyes just listening. You, you knew she was hardcore. You see it on Instagram. You hear the stories, but then you start talking to her, and she's just she she's cut from a different cloth. And I mean that in a respectful and a nice way. But she is something that's that's yeah. There's not a lot of Tannis Barkmans out there. No, and she she just lives for the adventure. The, the hunts secondary. It's she's out there just living it up every day. It seems like. And yeah, she just loves being out there in the wilderness and she takes it all in and has a great time doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was, that was a fun podcast. I spent half of it laughing. <laughs> for, for, for you listening, listeners out there, just bear with me because I'm just laughing half the podcast or either, either that or my mouth's wide open in awe with some of the stuff that she's saying. But, uh, and this one is uh, not suitable for small children. <laughs> Yeah, there's we there's a couple that. moments in there, eh? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put the the rating on this one. Yeah, but, uh, explicit content. So bef- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a fun one, but before we j- dive into that, um, you know, this is a good time. We we we've done a lot of great work on the landscape, Greg. You've been a big part of this. Um, we take our job of uh, looking after wild sheep seriously. We we work hard at um, our, looking after the money our members send our way. Uh, the donations we get from our sponsors, our donors, and we want to make sure that you know we're getting value. We're serving the needs and desires of our members. Our board of directors takes that very, very seriously. And um, something that you know I'm 
really proud of our group and what we've done. And uh, it's really empowering to be part of something that members are so passionate about. And that all kind of starts with support from some really important uh, donors and sponsors out there. And, you know, we do give them shouts out, but I, I think sometimes not enough. But uh, one thing really special that I was really excited about that happened in the last month here is uh, our longtime conservation partner, our first conservation partner, our big supporter, um, Sitka Gear out of Bozeman, Montana, stepped up as our official sponsor of the Wild Sheep Society BC. And it's absolutely phenomenal the uh, level of dedication and commitment they put to wild sheep conservation in British Columbia. And I just, it's really inspiring, man. Absolutely. The amount they do for us is incredible. The funds they allow us to work with and just their donations, whether it's jackets and shirts or just straight cash to put make things better for conservation in BC. They're they're givers. Then they they seem to spread the wealth. It's uh, it is phenomenal. You know they, these uh, there's some companies out there that they take their conservation commitment very seriously, and uh, it's interesting. Over the years, I've we, you know we've had them as a conservation partner now for I think five years. And, you know, we, I see it too, because I see the support they've given us. It comes back to them too, because I have members come up to me and say, you know, I, I buy Sitka gear because of their commitment to conservation. You know, there's other, in the camo wars, there's lots of options out there and they're all pretty good, to be honest, right? Like, you know, every brand sort of excels somewhere. Um, Sitka gear is a front runner for sure. Um, it's not going to be too many people that argue that they might argue for a different camel color or what the, whatever the case may be. But the one thing about it is, you know, I've, I've heard people say it. Uh, one person in particular, when we signed our first conservation partnership agreement with Sitka Gear, he sold all of his brand X items, I won't name them, and he bought everything Sitka Gear. He, he cleaned out. He went and he sold everything and bought them. He goes, you know, we have to support these people that are supporting us. So uh, really exciting that they're on board as, uh, as our partner and, and really, really fortunate to have their their support so we're lucky now we've got one uh, official sponsor in Sitka gear one and only and we will only have one and only and then we have now six conservation partners and we've talked a little bit about this but frontiersman gear stepped up this year as a conservation partner and uh you know that's again really exciting you know frontiersman gear is a relatively new company they're you know um they're just getting set up they're just kind of starting out in the industry in the sense that they're they've got a lot of growth potential and and when i say starting out it's not a, a startup company don't don't get me wrong tanner's knives are are world class they, he's a, a credible knife maker he's he's got a reputation that is is phenomenal but he's just getting going, man. You can just see it. That thing is just taken off. And to have him at the ground level supporting our conservation work and something you can see that he believes in. Uh, you know, we partnered with him on the Caribou film Through Our Eyes, and uh, he stepped up for Northern Fundraiser as our Friday night um, kickoff sponsor, and he's just been phenomenal. So really excited to have that new relationship with Frontiersman Gear and them as a conservation partner too. So the future's bright, my friend, and I'm pretty darn excited about uh, the great work that our conservation partners and our official sponsors have done for conservation in British Columbia. Yeah, they, people seem to continually be stepping up, and Tanner and his team are no different. And, you know, he doesn't just support us for funding. He's out there boots on the ground volunteering for us as well. He's one of the staples when it comes to counts. He's out there with all of us out counting sheep and doing what he can to support where he can. It's just Excited to have them on board, that's for sure. Yeah, well said, buddy. All right. Well, with that, we're gonna we're gonna have a laugh. We're gonna have a good time. You're gonna get a kick out of this one. Episode 114 with the one and only Tannis Barkman. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Gunworks. Thank you, Sitka Gear and Gunworks, for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Not too, but I got My dad always said I was raised by pirates. You don't swear, do you? Oh, a little bit, yeah. And then I also work in this really nice sushi restaurant. I've worked there for a really long time in uh, Fernie, and it's a really awesome restaurant. But when I go into the bush, and then I would come back, and i pick up a few shifts, I would walk in there, and I'd be like, fucking, what's going on, kids? How's this shit? Fuck, you know, all the swears in a row. And I was like, oh, I have to try. Are you still doing the sushi thing? A little bit. 
So I, ca- I call them celebrity chefs. Like chefs, I only uh, really pull in there when they need me. Okay. And I literally do like a shot of tequila at 4:30 while we're opening up, <laughs> and I've, it's so fun. It's a fun restaurant for sure. <laughs> so where's home for you? For any BC. Born and raised? No, nope. I was born and raised in Manitoba. Okay. Steinbeck, super religious, tiny oh, I know little Steinbeck. Mennonite. Do you? Yeah. yeah Worth the trip. There. You've been there? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool little town. Well, and when people know that town and they relate it with me, that's not the it's not the connection isn't totally as obvious, you know. <laughs> right. Because it's definitely it was like when I grew up, it was a very dry town. It had no booze sold anywhere. You couldn't get a beer in a restaurant. You couldn't do anything. And then just outside of this like German Mennonite-based town, there'd be tiny little signs saying like the municipality of Le Brokery, which is a French community. And right there, there's the vendors and then all the booze and stuff you wanted to buy. So it's kind of funny that that's where I was raised, you know. Cool. So born and raised there and then came to BC? or? Well, I immediately left uh, because I just knew that something exciting was going on elsewhere, you know. And I was not out of resentment. The prairies are wonderful and beautiful, but there's just something inside of me. I was like, there's something going on, you know. And my brother traveled before me, so I was like, had this fever of just seeing things. And the first place I went was Edmonton, actually, and I took a course on teaching English overseas. And it was a total joke. The whole class was not really, it wasn't like a real certified type of uh, class, you know. It was just, uh, you basically got like this really nice, white, beautiful manila tag. It had your name in gold letters and it certified you as a teacher overseas, but it really wasn't anything. Like I didn't learn anything. And then I got that and then I moved to Turkey, to Istanbul. Oh, wow. I traveled around Europe a little bit, and then I stayed there, and I was really infatuated with, like, the Muslim Turkish cultures and stuff. It was super cool. And I did that for a year, and then my mom joined me. We traveled Egypt and Israel, back up through Europe, and went home. And then I stayed there, made some more money, kind of hung out. I was really young, and then I ended up going to Amsterdam, waiting for a friend. I was supposed to move on and go, I don't know where, Germany or somewhere else, but I ended up staying and living in Amsterdam for, like, two years. (laughs) So that was like pretty rowdy party life, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that was in my 20s. And then when I came back, I stayed in Winnipeg. And Winnipeg's like super fun city, but it's still prairies. It's still not quite. And then I was dating this guy that he was had done a bit of snowboarding. And I was like, I can do that. It's in my blood. I saw like pictures of people like dropping cliffs with snow flying. Everybody was like, that's yep. totally what I want to do. So that's what brought me to the mountains, really. And I was like a snowboard junkie for 10 full years, for sure like intense like i just the only thing i cared about so snowboard and work enough to snowboard yeah totally ski bum for sure so hence fernie yeah uh, fernie's awesome for that it's a, a good spot to call home if you're uh yeah. if you're into the mountains that's for sure i'm really proud of fernie like i like fernie i boast about it you know i i live there by choice on yeah, purpose because that's beautiful and when I went there, when I first went there, it was a lot more redneck and it was a lot more dingy and I kind of liked that. It was like a lot more grit. And, and back in the day, there was no social media for hunting and things. So literally, it was the old school, you know, when you put your racks, some guy kills an elk and now he's doing laps on Main Street and he's going back and forth. Like that was, to me, that was the first time that I really kind of saw like something that I was attracted to about hunting. I was like, oh, it looks like a cool adventure, you know, like obviously that animal came from the mountains. It's probably pretty cool to go get him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And when I met Doran, that's when I started hunting, really. Okay. Okay, so you're adult onset hunter. Yeah, I was literally, like, almost 30. I was pretty old, yeah. And then you went all in. All in. Everything I do, like, everything I have done, as I'm saying with the traveling, right? Like, it just was all in. And when I knew about snowboarding, it was, like, the day I started, I remember I was flailing underneath the bear chair. I'd fallen deep powder. I couldn't get up. I was, like, punching my hands through, and I'm swearing, and I'm yelling at the chairlift above me, and I said, I fucking hate powder, and someone yelled at me, well, then go home, and right there, those words made me like, hell no, I'm not going home. I'm going to be so good. I'm going to jump every climb. You know, same thing with hunting. I just, like, right away, and I wanted to I wanted to hike by myself. I wanted to sleep outside by myself. I wanted to do things that kind of creep me out, and, like, that was always, I don't know, it's always been in my blood, weird things like that, I guess. So do you, you know, you kind of, you did the travel and then yeah. snowboarding and mm-hmm. now this. Is there a timeline on it? It's just like one day you're going to wake up and go, okay, let's, this is the new thing? I don't know. I wouldn't, I, I mean, I don't, I think it's more because it's a meat producing thing. Right. So I don't know if people know this. So some of my good friends know it about me, but I only eat wild meat. So otherwise I'm a complete vegetarian. Like last night, big banquet, hunting convention, and I'm asking the server, can I get a vegetarian meal? Like she just must have looked at me like I was a weirdo. <laughs> so for me, it's, it's more than just a fad it's to me it's more than just a like but i do think that if i weren't eating meat anymore i probably wouldn't hunt but i'd still stay in the photography scene 
I think I, I just, I really enjoy being up in the mountains, as we all do, you know. So, is how is that the attraction for you? Like, you know, you, you spend your winters at home, and then, you know, you, things start getting busy in the mountains, and they're calling. Um, is that an attraction to what you're doing, or... Or, or is it a burden? Like, do you, do you no, like it? No, I do. I do mountain stuff year-round too, right? Like, I ski tour all winter. It's more to me. I would hundred percent say that hunting started for the adventure of it. Like, Doran was getting into sheep hunting. I knew nothing about sheep hunting, and I kind of gave him shit in the beginning because I was like, "Man, why would you go for a ram that's a third the size, you know, body size of an elk, and you're going through all this elk terrain to get up to him?" I kind of thought it was selfish. I kind of thought it was like. You know, I, I, I thought there was more value in staying lower down, hunting elk, getting more meat. Like, I, to me, I had, I had trophy, like the, you know, the grip and grin photos and stuff. I kind of had this phobia about that side of hunting. Like, I didn't love, that's not what attracted me to it at all. Right. But then when I got up with Doran and I started being in Sheep World, I was like, oh, my God, that's so amazing, you know. Yeah. And, and we'd, like, climb over the ridge, you know, and then you look down and you see sheep over there. Like, there's something so cool about the fact that they're just living up there and you get to be a little tourist, you know, you check into their world. Like, I, f- I always feel like I'm visiting, you know. Yeah. It almost, like, you can almost certainly say that it's, a lot of people think sheep hunting is just trophy hunting. And, like, oh, if yeah. you looked in terms of value for meat, you could make that argument. Totally. But how often it's about the horns. It's never, it's about the experience for totally. almost everybody, I think. And it's the whole package. And it, it is it is sad that we get attacked like that or that. or that. And, and I do understand also, right? Because I have a cousin of mine, and she's full vegan, living in Vancouver. She's very, like, she lives in and amongst people that don't understand that. And that's why I didn't love those grip and grin photos, because I always thought, I was like, man, there's so much more that people don't understand, you know? And now I'm guilty of it, because I've completely, I'm into it, you know? And I, I put pictures up. I do, you know, post things that just show grip and grinny type things, even though, you know, you become desensitized, I guess, at, over time to what you first had as a priority. But... I would say that I, I don't know, I, I definitely feel like I wish that more people understood that there's so much more to it, you know, yeah. that reward, that trophy, that hunt, and we all know it, I don't need to explain that to you guys or the general public, but it is too bad that people that don't understand the whole thing. I would say people, if they follow you on social media, you do a pretty good job of telling the adventure. Cool. You're always sharing the, the fun stuff. and I got to. Love, I love following your Instagram. Oh, you you cool. don't post very often, Thanks. but when you do, we're... I feel like I do a lot. Thanks, though. And I I think that side of it comes from the fact that I'm, like, super outgoing. I've never been, like, shy. I've always been very forward. I love photography. Like, to me, that outlet's just amazing. I love it. And I don't even feel like I post for people. I post for just the love of sharing it. It's like my own little album, you know. And I think everyone, everyone does that. I'm sure we all look at our own pages and sort through it, and you smile at all the memories. You got your kids up there, and you got, like, moments that are special. No one's putting in their dumpy pictures, you know. You're putting in the things that you're like, that was cool, that was awesome. Yeah. So cool. Thanks. Yeah. So you've traveled all over the world. You've done lots of, had tons of experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're spending your time and we'll get someone under the table here at Sheep Week. Oh, <laughs> Michael surveyed. That's, that, that's not a surprise. Podcast with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> and he hasn't even been drinking yet. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, we're definitely putting an X-rated <laughs> one on this one. <laughs> There's a mute button on here. Let's. Uh, oh, you got to mute the whole. Thing. <laughs> Start muting from the beginning. Uh, but you know, you've done all this traveling around the world and seen all these magnificent places. You get to do the winter skiing stuff. Is there something that stands out that you just like? That's my place. That's just. Um, or is I'd say sheep hunting for sure. It's probably right? my favorite thing of all things. And that uh, ties in with goat hunting too. Like I find any of the really high alpine things and like charging around the mountains. And and I find with guiding, it's kind of fun because you, you get locked into 10 days. That's a lot. It's, you know, we all know that 10 days is a hard, you know, approach. So you got to like bang around. You got to and you don't want to go too fast because things can pop out of the woodwork and stuff. But I just love charging around the mountains. I could hike all the time, and I could do it without hunting, too. Right. Like, when Doran and I first started dating, he worked in forestry, so he hiked tons in the mountains all the time. And then I come along, and I'm always like, we'd horse into some base, and we're at this beautiful lake, and I always want to hike up to the top to go see. And then once I'm at the top, I want to hike over there. There's a poem that I really love with this old school guy who's from, like, like mid-1800s, but he always talks about just what's over that next ridge, like, always wanting the, I forget, it's called the Land of Beyond, I think. Right. And I always have that kind of... So to me, yeah, that's the same. And it goes for ski touring. It goes for... But ski touring is limited, obviously. Like, I don't like getting into gnarly terrain, you know, as much. Same as sheep hunting. There's certain places you can't go, you know, obviously. 
how do you find it when you're guiding and you have a client that is not a tannis that's ah. just <laughs> is it tough because you are Can the be. next ridge person too right oh, so yeah. you get someone that's just not capable or not interested well and there's the male to female equation right. sometimes so a lot of grown men get I can see it internally. They beat themselves up because they're so mad that they can't keep up with this fucking girl, right? Yeah. She's charging around, and I've had it quite a bit, and I have to just tell people it's cool. Like, don't, you know, they're getting blisters and things, and it's stuff. I don't think my feet could ever get a blister now, you know. But there is definitely times where I feel like, yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, and, and there's nothing you can really do. Someone gave me the best tip when I first started guiding. They said, like, you can't wait for your client you can't wait for them you have to kind of always be up and above and ahead because if you go at their pace you won't get anywhere right and at the end of the day those clients love being pushed you know but i always say right around day six six seven eight they we get these like blues that go on and they're tired and you literally have to just hold the shoulder and look them in the eyes and be like you're just tired you know like you've been charging around yeah. you're busting your balls you're dealing all this whether you're out of your element you don't do this for a living and then there they are. But at the end of it all, they love it. Yeah. Like, you got to push them, right? There's tons of that. but It's a little bit re more rewarding if they're working hard for it, too. Yeah. Like oh, to, totally. Had to cross that barrier and push through it. And yeah. Well, this last season was all, like, last day hunts. They were all oh, – yeah. I, I, my whole month of August was incredible. Was so, we went hard. <laughs> and every – and I had all these, like – I think I had two – they were all in the, like, 55, 60-year-old range type thing. But they were all great. Like, I think I had three or four – in that span, but yeah, it was it was pretty fun. Well, and and I secretly get a giggle out of it. Like I kind of, <laughs> I look back and I'm like, I love making people like sweat and half cry and get to the top, and then you're like, okay, hey, let's keep going, you know. And well, you guys probably had some pretty temperamental weather during the yeah. August the first time was pretty bad, but after that was actually awesome. Oh, okay. It was great. Good. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this last season. It was awesome. The weather was amazing all the way through, right to the end. Yeah. Yeah, we only got snow on our very last day out. Oh, right on. Yeah. And I get kind of like, um, I get emotional towards the horses. So at the end of the year when the grass is dying, it's yellow. There's no nutrition. The horses are skinny. They're tired. And now you add on two, three feet of snow for two weeks. Like I, you know, it hurts me. I, it's hard to make me push them type of thing, you know. So if the weather's great, I'm happy. Well, they're probably your best friends for they a are. couple months there. Mm -hmm. I had a really sad story on the last hunt. I have this bite. As you can see. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. People can't see on a podcast, but I got my middle finger on my right hand bit by this horse, Great White. But it was a sad story because we couldn't get him out of the swamp. And we tried. And it was eight hours of very intense. So super sad story. We had to put him down and leave him there. And he was, like, truly one of my best friends. Like, I, I love that horse. Anyone that ever knew Great White, I had to send, like, messages out to all these people, clients, stuff. I was like, oh, poor little Great White didn't make it out. Huh. And that part is really hard. That'd be tough. That is tough. Does they, that affect your performance when you're out in the mountain? Um, I would say, like I said, when the weather's really bad and I'm pushing the horses, yeah, it's it it stops me from being, like, crazy hard on them, you know? I'll want to stay a little closer, which is, I don't know, yeah, I guess it does affect me. Hmm. I don't want to say that because I don't want anyone coming on a lot, you know? late last hunt of the season type of thing and be yeah. like oh she's not trying very hard yeah. she's <laughs> pampering the horses yeah. you yeah. said it on the podcast yeah. horses need a break but i make people walk a lot <laughs> yeah for sure yeah so all the most of the stuff you're doing is on horseback like almost exclusively or yeah. do you do backpack only ever last year i think we worked 93 straight days and i think like 80 of them were all horse wow yeah wow. there's a few in and outs but obviously um so what we do is we go in it depends who's doing what but our crew goes in this certain way and we have a wrangler. So literally we go in, I leave the wrangler, set him up and he babysits while I'm up there for like eight to 10 days or whatever it is, goat hunting and sheep hunting and stuff like that. So I don't see the horses that whole time. But then when I come out, then the last four hunts from September till mid-October, all horsing for sure. I understand why cowboys have like bold legged <laughs> wide stance and my body has to unwind when I come home. Is that right? Like sitting in chairs and things like I get all these weird creaks and stuff. I think it's just because you train your muscles to do the saddle sitting, riding everything right. And then when you stop doing it, I feel like your body like has to change a bit. So how do you find that transition? Because like you're literally completely changing your lifestyle. It's yeah. like uh, night it's and day. It's hard work for sure. And I used to feel kind of guilty about like not hunting. Everyone's like, oh, you're going out hunting, hunting for yourself. Yeah, I'm like, this last year I just would tell people straight up, like, you know what? I don't really need to be outside right now. And I'm happy to be indoors. I'd invite my friends over and come have like a beer at the house type of thing. But I just wasn't, I gave myself like a full two weeks of just chilling. 
It's hanging with my dogs. I don't see them, right? It's Didn't you have a cow draw or something, though, that you had after the season cow this year? Cow draw, I had a goat draw. A goat draw. I did. How did that go? Oh, I messed it up. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Not like I didn't mess it up uh, actually like on a hunt, but I just didn't actually hunt it. Okay. Yeah. It was down the south Acme at Kishinea, which is the southeastern corner of BC. Okay. And so there's a Harvey Pass. And if that gets all snowed in, so what ended up, there was totally a storm. I went in there. I camped two nights. Saw goats. Nothing worth chasing. I tried going around this backside of this lake that I wanted to go to. And I didn't get in very far. It was like this old burn. It's tons of blowdown. I was like, ah, screw it. And then I came back out, checked the inreach for weather. Looked like it was kind of stormy. So I was like, I'm just leaving. And then I was telling everyone, I was like, yeah, it's probably snowing. The Harvey Pass is probably closed. And meanwhile, they were plowing it. And it wasn't like everyone was going down there. So I kind of banged off an excuse, which breaks my heart because I love goat hunting. But I just botched it. And just wasn't, wasn't feeling it this year. That's, that happens. Totally. So would you say, like, do you... Do you, when you hunt, do you prefer yourself? you prefer to guide? I get the narrative that you've been in there for three months. You just want, just want a little time off. Yeah. But if you weren't guiding, would you, would you want to be hunting as much as, as you could hard? yourself? As hard? I don't think you, I don't know. I don't think I would hunt as hard right. on my exact own because people pay good money. There's a lot of responsibility. And I think all guides are kind of like competitive secretly, right? right. Amongst themselves, friendly competi- competitiveness and also within their own selves. Because for me, it's like I just as a worker or a hard worker or whatever it boils down to there's just you're, it's a job you're supposed to be there you're doing something you gotta you know glass as hard as you can all day every day and you want to you know you want to see the animals you want to produce you want to give them action you know you don't want to be lazy sometimes the weather can beat it out of you a bit so you're not into it but I would say on my own personal hunts like it depends sheep hunting I'd be all balls out for sure but if I was cruising in the back country, I'd probably have you know a nap in the afternoon which I rarely do and I'm guiding so those mountain naps are the nice. Yeah. yeah. They're the Buy best. a nice tree to post yeah. up against or a good rock. Yeah. yeah, totally. I try not to have them with the clients. But <laughs> yeah. I do. Sometimes you just have to tell them. Sometimes you actually, yeah. like, pass out while you're glassing. <laughs> you can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up drooling. You're like, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> as long so as someone's still looking. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so with um, with the with your guiding and stuff and called let's talk about sheep i guess yeah so we're sheep podcast yeah guess, but totally. that's why we're all here <laughs> <laughs> um i you know we've seen some die-offs like in alaska yukon some numbers are down yeah uh how are things looking for you guys you guys you seen lower numbers or things steady or i mean i've only been in that area guiding with dustin with backcountry bc beyond for like five years so yeah. I, I wouldn't say that i've been able to notice a huge span of time that i would say oh 20 years ago there was well you know yeah. But I would say, I mean, it's not, our area is not known to have like huge, crazy, dense populations. You right. know, you go to the Montreal side, that's a lot more numbers kind of in their groups and herds and stuff like that. So, but I would say like we're, we're finding them, they're around, they right. seem healthy enough. Like we're seeing lambs use, the ewes don't really congregate heavily. Uh, they do in one spot in our area, but I've seen them across the way in our out- neighboring outfit. A whole pile of ewes. It was awesome. We saw like, oh, it must have been like 70 of them. That was oh, wow. really good to see. Yeah. I hadn't seen that yet guiding. We were just right on the boundary and we must have looked over and there they were. But was, that was good to see for sure. Well, it seems like Dustin in backcountry is kind of known for like finding those little niche rams and like, yeah, the, like the, totally. the, the, the hidden spots. It, it, to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's always the adventure experience. If yeah. you're like Dustin is selling a unique product in, yeah, in the totally. guide outfitting world. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's... They're out there, they're small groups, and they're not as many, but we seem to find them. We seem to, you know, and sometimes we'll stack a few people. Like, we'll have, you know, he might have, he has his dad and his uncle were up there last year, and his uncle really likes to glass and stuff. So we've got Shane who'll come and glass certain areas that we're not, you know, I might be up high on the mountain, and maybe he can come in, quad in, do whatever, you know. There's, But that's certain areas, and then sometimes, yeah, sometimes you're pretty remote and you don't have any help at all, but... right. They're around. I would say it's a decently healthy population for sure. I wouldn't be overly worried. But like I say, I haven't been around long enough to see if it's like a decline or a growth. Or right. But they're around for sure. So with you guys, um, you get into, you go in into like July 1st or when you end up uh, going we, to the bush? No, we only start driving up. We used to drive up in the middle of July and now it's a little bit later. It's like July 25th, something okay. like that. Quick setup of the camp and stuff and... Wranglers already in there. Somebody already in glassing. Like who's glassing? Give or take. Give or take. Yeah. Yeah. All depends. Yeah. There's always someone looking somewhere. Some. 
but yeah, there's you have to get your stuff ready too first. Like right, like I got a whole get the whole horse string and pack them, and then quite often you have different horses you've never met before. Right. So I would say that's more of the focus that we have. Right. But the hunts do start a little bit earlier than opening day. Typically, the first one will be like a couple of days before, just so you can get in there. Get on your ram, camp on them. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. you got to fly into a lake. Sometimes there's so many different aspects of it. But yeah, we like to start a little earlier. So if you tag out with a hunter, so opener almost always tag out on the first day, right? Yeah. Do uh, they? Right? Well, on the opener, though, probably pretty good at odds, I would think. Ooh, uh, probably. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> but let's Hopefully, say you, lucky chances, yeah. If they do tag out early, yeah. do you, um, is that like, are you going to be busy glassing the whole time then? Are you going back in the bush or you get some downtime, get to work around camp? Yeah, or? it depends. Like sometimes, like quite often, we're already in there. You can't get out. Like your right. flight's scheduled for X amount of time. Quite often, they'll have like com uh, combo tags, you know, so they'll right. have other things. But t uh, the sheep hunters don't necessarily always have extra tags. Sometimes you just eat sheep meat, put your feet up, and if you're at a lake and swim around or whatever, you play with the horses. Sometimes uh, every, every hunt's different. There's so many different scenarios. Like, we've had people leave early. You know, they kill on day two, and then they leave right away, and then we have, like, eight days to ourselves to go. I'm a horse into the next camp, and then they can get flown in type of thing. Like right. Everything's different, so it depends. But I wouldn't say we have, it like, yeah, I feel like a lot of the hunts go later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you don't find, like, the good one right away. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. How often do you uh, you pick a ram? You, you, you get an idea what somebody wants. You put them on a ram, and they don't shoot it, and then you end up, you end up scenarios where people just pass, 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 and then put them on a really nice mature ram, and they're like, no, 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 it's not what I want. And then no, I wouldn't say. I think it's the opposite. I feel like right? I face the opposite more. I'm you the one saying. I'm the one saying like it's not good enough. Though. Yeah. Good enough for me, you know. Like, and you will get your token trophy hunters that are, and they're more experienced. But if you get a hunter that's never hunted stone sheep before, like they just want anything. Right. If it's legal, let's get it. And you got to tell them, especially with moose later in the season. Right. Moose is a tough one because they. All of our moose are legal, you know, in that MU of BC. Right. Any, you know, any kind of antler size, you know. So it's up to me to just say, no, that's not what we're doing. And, oh, it's it's hard. It can be a hard vibe on day eight when you're like, that's a 45-inch moose. Like, <laughs> we're just not shooting him. You know, I know yeah. he's got good character. He doesn't have big enough paddles or whatever. And, yeah, you have to be firm on it. And I've been learning how to get better at that, you know. Is that right? And it's so much work. Like, for me, in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm only killing moose that are worth it. Because that's, that, and it shuts down many days of your hunt, like, to pack right. all that meat, get it over. It's a whole day to cape for me, you know. Like, that's quite a bit of work. So, I just tell them it's not worth it. they're never going to get shot in an easy spot to deal with, right? Yeah, never. Got to be in water yeah, somewhere. never. Always swampy. Yeah. So, what's the hardest part of your job, then? When you're, when you're gone, what, what is the hardest job? Is it people? Is it uh, while guiding? The grid? Yeah. Like during just guiding, what's the hardest yeah, part? Yeah, yeah. When you when you're when you're gone for your three months, so you go in the bush. What is the? What do you go? Oh goodness, I got to do that. Um. Being away from friends, family. No, that doesn't bother me at all, really. Because I mean, Doran's in there with me half the time. I really like being by myself. I have no problem with abstaining from friendships and relationships. I don't. I miss my dogs. I would say a bit, but it's not. It's not the same kind of like need to get out. Because I want to see him. But I, I don't know what the hardest part is. It's kind of funny because people after 10 days when they get out, they always like, they're like, I'm going in for wings and cheese pizza. I'm getting a shower. <laughs> and they like chirp this shit in your ear. And you're like, dude, I got another like 70 days. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, stop. I don't want to hear yeah. about your cheeseburgers. <laughs> and stuff like that doesn't even like really tell me. I think mostly I just want to sleep in is the biggest thing that I crave late at the end of the season. Yeah. I just want one day to just not look for horses before dawn and not, you know, that's probably my biggest wish that I would say I find the hardest and I mean I get kind of like arthritic hands you get sore bodies like it's really hard work you know it's lots of especially when you're killing tons of moose and stuff you're carrying heavy pack boxes and you're putting them on top of horses like your body I feel like you get a little worn out like I always crave getting a chiropractor and I want to sleep in right those are the two biggest things when I get out I'm like, I just want someone to like crack my back back into place yeah and sleep that's in fair. that's fair yeah totally <laughs> and that's why I told you I took those first two weeks off of just like nah staying inside so you've done it for five years and yeah. you're obviously young you know yeah. do you ever think what, what it's like in 15 20 years like i don't know if i could <laughs> do it then right. i don't feel that young yeah i was i did a fly-in last uh, this fall this past fall and yeah the uh there was an older uh, guy there and great guy we we shared a camp with him one night but he was just his body was destroyed and just old is he? or he just had old injuries i, I want to say he's probably about 65 yeah. and, and he's so knowledgeable a couple of young guys with him there was one guy that was guiding the other guy wrangling and 
uh, just I, I wish I had this thing with me. I would have just same thing. Just so many stories. You just want to listen. And but he spent a life. Uh, I don't want to say too much. Without giving <laughs> blown away totally. the cover. <laughs> he might but, be listening. Uh, he, I doubt he's listening. <laughs> but some, somebody shit, might. Yeah. But uh, he'd been a logger too, and he'd been beat up in that. Right. And then, but just you know, he. I just was watching him, and it was they had horses, and I was just oh my god, that is so much work. And it is a lot of work. It's a know. lot of and like saddles and pushing things. Like there's. And then I was telling you, I work at the sushi restaurant. The first couple of years I'd come back and I'd do a few shifts. I go to put on like shirts that I would typically wear. And I was like, they don't fit. And I was like, I'm all trim and I'm, you know, I, I feel like I'm in great shape, but they wouldn't fit. And I was like, what is that? And it was, what are these called? The lats in the back oh, here? Yeah, yeah. I was like, all of a sudden I got like He-Man <laughs> lats body back here. I have all these extra muscles. I was like, oh, obviously, but it's hard work. Like it's a lot of hinging at the hips and a lot of. I don't know, upper body swinging and stuff. I do find it kind of hard on my body for sure. But I mean, all of my old snowboarding injuries, those become more evident right. as I work, you know, dig hard in there and stuff. So. so do you find when you're going into the mountains in that like July, August, do you have to ramp up or are you just no. stay, like obviously stay in shape, but yeah. you, you don't have to train no. or anything? Just no. Yeah. Is the first week a little harder than uh, week no, two, three? No, not at no. all because the first okay. stuff's all backpacking. I find that's, I find it's just so simple, easy. Right. Like I... I really enjoy that. You know, you don't have to wrangle your backpack. All you have to, your biggest chore in the morning is to take down your tent. Your biggest decision is to decide where to put your snacks in your backpack so you can access them, you know. like. But when you're moving a whole horse camp, that's a show, you know. Like, that's full teardown, full camp, all your food, all the things. you got to pack all the horses. Like, it takes many hours in the morning right. to do it. So I really enjoy the beginning of the season. I just love it. I can just start hiking immediately, get in there, do it. doesn't bother me. Yeah. I'm not tired. I'm not out of shape. Nothing. I feel exhilarated. Yeah. So later, it's moose and caribou. That's a little harder on the body, I'd say. Right. Yeah. A little cooler weather, too. Yeah. Catching the joints. Yeah, <laughs> that could be it. Well, it's pretty cool um, where you guys are, too. I, I've been on uh, in Dustin's area before. Nice. Seen his you have? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, actually, I, go. I actually don't think <laughs> I, I was kidding. in his area. Um, and I, I didn't shoot any sheep, by the way. So I'd be happy about that. Yeah. Um, but to see his string on the horizon, you know. Oh, you have? I just... Yeah, it's so romantic up there. Were you there. together when I met Greg the first, when I was in there, no. what, year two or something? No. Yeah, no. Because you were with four dudes, wasn't it? It was the yeah. same area, though. So that's yeah. how me and Greg met. Is that right? Yeah, they, middle of nowhere. They, they shot some caribou, but it was, like, down below the lake where their camp was. Yeah. And so they had to hike the whole show and everything back uphill big time. We you guys were, like, yeah. shirts off, sweaty, <laughs> just standing there all, you know, stupefied. They're like, holy shit, here comes this big pack string. <laughs> we had nothing to trade to get you guys to bring the meat to the lake for us. <laughs> and if it wasn't such a long day, like, that's one of our longer days, yeah. I think we would have actually done some work and help for you guys. But it was literally, like, that's the biggest stretch. That's our longest, and it's a really rocky, shitty end. Yeah, that's and the day when we drop into our other camps so i was like oh we just we just don't have the time to go help these guys no. yeah. well, we had a good chat anyways it was yeah. nice meeting you guys in the middle of nowhere totally was fun and you took some really horses. cool pictures like kyle's saying that you know you have that you know picturesque beautiful snapshot of like horses on the horizon you had a bunch of those you nice. had a few of you guys walking by us there that was it was a surprise watching it come across yeah the i lake. bet <laughs> well we we were glassing on that area yeah. I, I know where he was the same right. area and and then uh, seen the pack string come up and we're oh, like nice. what is it is that caribou or what, ah. like what the hell was it we, and we <laughs> they get colorful but boxes, it, it was like it was blue a boxes long, and orange but it was a long ways right. away it was like literally like just like seemed like off the edge of the yeah. earth right like just popped up we're like what the hell That's is that cool. and it was our stuff like it was our I, i'm pretty sure it was you guys yeah, but cool. uh yeah i you i never it was never came within like yeah. six or eight miles or something it was it's kind of one of my favorite things about the later season uh backpack or not backpack sorry the horse hunts is that i know that a lot of people have more than just the hunt of the moose and the caribou a lot of people have that nostalgic dream of being the cowboy you know on the horse in the string doing the thing you know what i mean like right. everyone kind of wants a little piece of that like it's a very romantic western sort of idealistic i don't know it's just something cool about it and i do notice that when i'm guiding people like you can tell they have this certain amount of pride some of them hate it some of them don't right. want to be on the horse at all and they're terrified and they hate everything you know but you do get most i feel that just seem to like love that moment they're like proud of that moment they're like i'm on a horse i'm in a string i'm the guy i'm the cowboy <laughs> it is cool and i do think that like backcountry um they you know dustin caters to those people like yeah like i think 
the whole know, pack. I, the I think about guided hunts and the, like Dustin's definitely like his outfits at the top of my list because I don't know just the way he markets stuff like totally. you know through his platforms. And when something he's doing that's unique is that all of this stuff exists, right? There's right. tons of booths in here that offer horse backpack or whatever hunts, but because he's making videos and he's showing people what they're getting themselves into for those that haven't ever really done it, yeah. I think you you can see a little more into that life and like the daily what goes on and the dream about it, right? So I think that appeals to a lot of people when they want to book with Dustin is they, they can actually see, like until then, you don't you can't really envision all the things, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's more and more videos, obviously, on YouTube and stuff that'll showcase that. And I think people, a lot of people want that dream, yeah. you know? Like to them, that's part of the whole package, the hunt. Yeah, he does an excellent job of portraying the whole yeah. whole adventure. That's I love watching this stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Well, in the very beginning, like uh, Nick was telling me, he goes, yeah, we live for like... We live for those chaotic moments when everything's falling apart and shit gets rowdy in Western. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like I told him, I said, when we're having full meltdowns and the horses are spazzing out, I was like, don't you dare get that camera out. Yeah. I was like, you got to be, have your wits about you. And yeah, it's fun to look back on, but not during the moment. Yeah, you know, totally. I was <laughs> like, you're going to learn quick. And I never, I re- rarely see him pull his camera out and shit's hitting the fan. I was like, he's learned. He's like, oh, you got two hands on the steering wheel. And yeah. Yeah, the swamps out there are very, uh, to navigate those can be pretty tricky. Right. That's where a lot of chaos happens. Yeah. And it's hard on the horses. And, and we always tell the hunters, like, you can't get off if the horse is flailing around in the swamp, right? Because the worst thing you can do is eject off the horse, and the horse will still continue to flail. He's going to be throwing punches at everything around him. Like, you can get seriously hurt. So we tell people to stay on the horse, which is also really terrifying. Because right. the horse will be jolting and, like, flailing and you literally grab the horn and you're doing the eight second rodeo hand in the air and i've done it tons i actually had my bino harness save me this year as i was on a horse crossing a beaver swamp it was like one of the worst crossings we had it was getting worse and worse and worse this false ground started punching through the horses were just it was a mess you came out of there like soaking wet from all the other horses spraying you and stuff but I was on Indy, and she gave this huge, massive flail. And I was so lucky that my bino harness that I was strapped on, like, caught on the horn because she reared up so bad. Like, I would have easily flipped right out of the saddle. No one could have really stayed on her. But I was like, oh, my God, I'm still on. I was like, something's <laughs> caught up, which typically you don't always want to be caught up. That can be a really yeah. negative scene as well. But that was a good one. That was a positive. <laughs> it's pretty sketchy back there sometimes. Like, there's moments where I'm like, holy shit. If this gets as bad as it could look like it's getting, this could be awful. Like, things could, and I don't want to say that, but. Well, and there are a lot of things that can go sideways. Oh, man, right? like, so many things going uh, on. Especially with horses and yeah. wild animals. Totally. And Guns yeah. and yeah. ammo everywhere, yeah. yeah it's a little Helps wild not west. very close. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. I worry about that. I had one guy once. It was a flail. And uh, I was with Blythe, the wrangler from New Zealand, really solid, awesome, beautiful human. But she was leading because she knew the area more. She's ahead of me. And then I see our hunter, and he goes kind of down into this creek, and his horse wipes out. And all I see is alders, and the horse just, whoop, like, just pancakes sideways. So I don't really see anything. I get over to the edge, and I look down, and he's bleeding. Horse is bleeding. Everybody's cut. And I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, I hope I have a good Band-Aid in my first aid kit because my first aid kit kind of sucks sometimes. Like, sometimes it's good, plumped up. Sometimes it sucks. So you, you forget, you know, you do so many days, you're like, shit. And I'm fidgeting around, like, oh, my God, I hope I have something. And I did have one nice, good, solid Band-Aid and stuff. And, and the horse had to be, uh, what do you call it, a turnkey or whatever okay. on his leg to stop him bleeding and stuff. It was a bit of a mess, but I was like, oh, thank goodness. That was, that was uh, the end of it. it. wasn't any broken arms or severed things, but I was like, That's you good. realize how quickly it like, could, could add up. So let's talk some stories. We, we're touching on it here. So <laughs> when you think about it, is there one that stands out over your guiding career that was amazing? What, what's your most amazing experience? What's your worst experience on the mountain? And what's the scariest? We don't uh, need to name You can pick uh, any yeah. three of those. Or all three. Like <laughs> ever? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I had probably one that sticks out that I really love and I reminisce about often is the very first night that I ever spent up in the mountains by myself sleeping with no dogs, no horses, no nothing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting, you know, and I was pretty new at like just being up and high. And the funny thing is, is like when I started getting into mountains and like hiking, I was already sheep hunting simultaneously, but I was a new sheep hunter. I didn't know much, but there I was with a gun. I was like, I just wanted to do it. I like doing things that make me a little nervous. So I get up there, I hide the food, you know, a ways away. I made this little stick nest right around my, like, sleeping mat, you know, and I made it all because we always had this theory. We're like, well, if you make a little stick nest and then you can hear something coming in in the night if you're worried about it. 
And so I do it and I sleep. And a friend of mine told me, he's like, yeah, if you're going out there, just bring a beer, you know, to help loosen your nerves or whatever. I was like, oh, sweet. So I bring a beer, have that, <laughs> drank it. In the morning, I wake up and it was such a nice feeling. Like, I just remember being like, oh, God, like, why was I so worried about what? You know, there's nothing. This is beautiful. It's, I do it so often with Doran. Like, why can't I do it by myself, you know? And so I just felt so good. I went and got my food. I ate whatever. And then I'm slowly sneaking away from the camp and I'm crawling up and I popped into this, like, slide that I could see. And there was, like, 12 rounds. Wow. 12 bighorns. And I was like, oh, wow. This wow. is exciting. And there was one guy. It's like... As you get more and more used to seeing herds, you know, you can instantly pick out your top one or three sheep, right? You, right. You, you immediately size up the, you know, all the bananas just melt into nothing. But you focus on this one guy and this one old ram, he was like super broomed off. He was the kind of ram that will never become legal because bighorns aren't, you know, you don't have age specs as well. So yeah. he was so broomed off that he was never going to meet the eye, you know, the bottom of the eye. To be legal, and, and I, I just had like probably three hours of sitting in the sun with these guys. And because they knew that I couldn't shoot them, I kept looking at the other rounds. None of them were going to be legal either. And I just had this moment of, and to me, it was just one of my best days out there. I just felt so proud of myself for being super high up. And, and it kind of broke, I don't know, it just broke the ice of like any, any, any kind of fears or whatever. I just felt like I just plateaued over onto a new ground of my new life i was just wasn't scared actually after that much anymore wow. not that i was scared before but it's just i don't know you just got to do it to understand it right yeah but yeah that was probably one of my favorite memories that i can really i had like a fuzzy feeling inside kind yeah. of thing as far as guiding i mean i have tons of moments that are this last year was my best for personal guiding I just was like a boss out there. I just fucking was doing it. I was looked at the hunter. I'm like, all right, you breathe when I breathe. You follow me around. We're doing this. And I was like running, chasing wind. I had like really good moose hunt. I had this really new kind of uh, goat hunter. And he was like trying to get me to shoot the goat. He's like, well, if you see the goat, you just, you just go ahead. And I was like, dude, that's not how we, that's not what we're doing up here. You paid good money to be up here to shoot yourself a goat. I said, I can, you know, talk you through all the things and stuff. But that was, that was a really special hunt because I got him like 184 yards or something. I had brought my gun to be backup and just in case shit at the fan or sometimes, you know, people fall on their guns, their guns get damaged, whatever. I just had it there in case he needed it and he felt a lot better about it. But he made like one swift, perfect, beautiful shot and he's crying. I was like, oh, I knew you'd be a crier. <laughs> that was a pretty touching moment then, too. And he was just so thankful. He's so and to me, that's probably the best part about the whole guiding is he really he really brings some really cool adventures to people that don't. Maybe can't do it exactly on their own or, yeah. you know. Yeah. I never done it. Never probably will do it. Again. I go will, Yeah. Like never, they've never done it and they probably never will or maybe right. won't ever yeah. do it again. So. Well, and people need, you know, if you're not used to doing it, you need someone to hold your hand. Like that's the whole purpose of a guide really. Yeah. It's yeah. to bring people up, to get them close to the animals and everything after that's up to them kind of. But yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. It is cool. Um, and near-death experiences are scary that you're like, oh, my god! Oh, I had one that I got cliffed out from antler shed hunting. Okay. And I had, like, some tears. Not even on the mountains. Not not even hunting. Just Yeah, I was shed, shed hunting. hunting. I got so scared. I thought I was following mule tracks down, and they all just cliffed right out. And I was on, like, this chalky, sandy, dusty kind of, oh, like, no. on top of super cliffs. And I was just literally, like, hanging on. And it was so steep that I, I don't know how I got myself in that predicament. And I was just like, holy shit, this is bad. <laughs> And, of course, it's late in the day, and I was envisioning myself. I've never done the, like, camp up on the mountains without any gear at all. I thought this might be the time. I was like, oh, this might be the one time where i got to build a fire and sit there in my jeans, you know, all night, trying to sort it out. But, And I'm not a religious person at all, really, and I was definitely looking up to the sky, being like, okay, God, I, I don't <laughs> talk to turns, you. Everyone turns, right? <laughs> I don't talk to you very often. <laughs> I was just wondering if, you know, if you're still up there and if you could help me out. I'm super scared. Yeah, those cliffed out moments are uh, sneak yeah. up on you. Oh. I've had a couple where it's like, ooh, I bet. How'd I end up here? What was <laughs> yours? I was we were goat hunting, and uh, my Classic. my dad had <laughs> he had shot a goat, but I was he was down the mountain, I was up the mountain, and same thing. I was following tracks, and then cliffed out. I was like, oh, I oh, got yeah. I got a long way back up, long way back over right. to the way I came, and it was. It, it was one of those where you stood around and you looked for a minute and you're like, yeah. one, one wrong step, you're in trouble. And it's I feel like goat hunting is really probably the most testing of the adventures up there, I find, for sure. Yeah, and you can't slip up. You, no. If you and miss the late one, season, snow covered, oh. like it gets gnarly. Yeah. 
that's probably some of the most scared I've been too was on a goat hunt. It was my first ever killed goat and it's the same thing like you said. Shot the goat and the goat had kind of slid behind this like ridge, like sort of knife edge that we couldn't see. So of course we had to climb through this bowl and there was just not a tree in the whole expanse of the bowl, super steep. And I knew it was like a big cliff at the bottom. So I'm envisioning any slip up, you're sliding. There's nothing to stop you. You can't, there's nothing to hang on to. And I, uh, I was like, and Doran was with me and uh, he was ahead of me and I had to like give him shit. I was like, don't go too far ahead of me. I just felt like so, I just, and then we got up there and then we couldn't even see the goat because the goat had slid. It was like full blood track. So I was like, sweet, at least he's hit. But he had slid down this chimney tight little chute and there was like, no way we're going down there. So we had to backtrack, same what you were saying. Backtrack all the way around, up, around, and just same heart beating, going crazy. We went down underneath the cliff band, and then he had actually slid like a whole kilometer. It was awesome. He, really? ended, up, he ended up just piling up in the best spot ever, and I'd never goat hunted before. And you know when you walk up to your first goat, like I feel like a lot of people are surprised at how small they are. Because mm-hmm. when you glass in them, they look like such majestic beasts, you know? And I, I pre-tell my clients that haven't ever seen a dead goat, I'm like, just so you know, like, they're quite a bit smaller than you think. Like, they're still big, they're still amazing, but they're not as big. Like, they look like gorillas up there, you know, when you walk up on them. So my first goat, he had his horns pinned into the snow. And I was like, oh, shit, you always hear about the horns popping off okay. and all, you know, and he'd just taken a big tumble. We pulled him out, and I was like, oh, I just shot a baby goat. <laughs> I was like, he's tiny. And Doran's like, I don't think he's that small. And both of us were new at it. And I was like, oh, he looks so small. Oh, my gosh. I can't tell anyone about it. He ended up being like a, like a seventh. No, what was he? He was seven-eighths of an inch short of being a, a BC book wow. goat. And I was like, okay, that's not that bad. And he was like 10 inches on the horn. And I was like, okay. Uh, yeah, that's I, a good goat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I learned. But my first reaction was like, oh, no. So how that was a terrifying goat hunt for sure. I think sorry, those can be some of the most gnarly experiences I find. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Is it easy for you now, like, you know, uh, judging stuff like sheep, goats? Yeah. Is just, it's easy, yeah? Yeah. Just tricks of the trade? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, the first time we actually passed up what we think, that one Billy that got away, I swear he was a really nice Billy. But we, me and Doran were both didn't even know it was a nanny, nothing. You're kind of like... You know, everyone, it, it's hard to tell, you know, and then the more experience you have, you can just see it almost in the body and the physique and the mannerisms and you just see it, right? It just seems a lot more clear. And obviously things can trick you. I've had nannies trick me. I've had versa visa, you know, and you can still, you get closer and you realize you've been chasing the wrong, you know, right. the wrong sex. But yeah, I know it gets, I think it gets easier. Same as sheep too. When I first started sheep hunting, I just... I couldn't really figure it out. Right. I couldn't see that line. And now when you see it and they move their head, you either get like a yes or a no. And you can sit there for like five hours and try to make up the opposite scenario. It doesn't work. The first reaction is probably your most accurate, you know. Is that you right? either saw it or you didn't. Yeah. He's either legal or he's not, you know. Huh. I find. Ah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So where do you go from here? So you're here for Sheep Week. You're back. I'm going to Mexico after this. Okay. Yeah, well, another desert doing? sheep hunt. I'm going to go <laughs> take pictures of. The boys are loading me up with gear. I'm taking all this, like, I have two spotting scopes and two sets of binos and all this shit I'm bringing out to Roberto. And, uh, yeah, I'm flying into the Baja. And then I have 10 days to myself with all this expensive gear. I hope nobody mugs me or anything. I'm a little nervous about it. I really don't. But, yeah, I got 10 days, and then I'm going to go meet up with uh, Rafa and Roberto. It's two of our Mexican connections down there. Then we're going to go on another Baja sheep hunt. You're going to be the photography girl? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you always, you can't help not guide, you know? Right. Well, definitely be glassing my brains out and doing all the things, but I love, I I would, I could be an aspiring photographer for sure. Right. I love it. It's fun. Yeah, that's cool. But I do enjoy guiding too, so. Do you guys ever take anyone along for that, to photograph? Oh, yeah. Us, not necessarily, but like the, either the hunter will have it with them or like Dustin, because he makes his videos and stuff, so. Right. Every once in a while, Nick comes with us. Yeah. He plans it out throughout the season that he can kind of get a bit of everybody. Right. So this last year he got a, I, it's, I think he's making a video of a caribou hunt that we did together. It was right. really nice. Yeah. Worked out really good. It was a big effort. Caribou was really nice. Any of the major sponsors, Yeti, Sitka on board with that stuff? Or yeah. quite often they yeah. sponsor that stuff. I don't know exactly what Nick's gig is, but it's okay. pretty cool. Like those companies pretty much pay him or give him money i'm not sure what every company has its own little different spectrum and then those guys outfit us because we're the models out there right right what a nice deal yeah kind of drag boots like yeah. new pair of boots every year like it's so nice of them and all the sick gear they give us a budget and an allowance you know awesome 
and then uh, yeah, and it's it's to promote their own stuff, obviously. So it all everyone feeds each other like it's a you know perpetuating kind of yeah. positive thing for everyone to get a little piece of what they want like i'm getting outfitted with the clothes and the boots and the like stone glacier in the beginning they gave me a backpack and i got a sleeping bag like just it's i just felt very honored it was yeah. really nice to get all these gifts and stuff like that but then yeah of course these videos are being made so yeah. their products are in them lots of people see them it's like well, you guys are out there putting their stuff through the ringer too totally <laughs> oh yeah i got that a lot of tips not forgiving <laughs> So. We always shake. Uh, we always have a bunch of jokes out there. We always want to, you know, things that we change or do or make. Or, yeah. You know, I don't know if you guys know John Barklow at all. Know yeah. who he is? I don't. He know. He runs all sick, yeah. and I got to kind of like I hung out with him the first year he came up there, and uh, Dustin, things weren't ready exactly for him, so he told me he's like, "You go take John out for the day," you know, and he's doing archery moose hunt then, and we never saw any moose or bulls or anything ourselves, but we got to hang out the whole entire day, and it was super fun. We connected like. Really, really love that guy. He's awesome. But, like, we always have a joke. If any of the Sitka gear, if there's any little thing or one of those zipper tabs falls off, we're like, oh, he's fucking Barklow, you know. <laughs> that guy. And we, we pretend we're blaming him. Sorry, Barklow. It's, it's just our little inside joke. Stuff like that is kind of funny. It's funny when you know the people behind it all. Obviously, we are so grateful for everything they give us, but it's just funny. Oh, the healthy ribbing is always a good time. Yeah, totally. So Especially when they're not around. <laughs> Oh, that's the one cool thing with uh, Dustin for us. The Wild Sheep Society of BC, we have our conservation partners. Yeah. And a lot of the brands we're affiliated with support Same. Yeah. you guys. So cool. uh, Sitka, like you said, Stone Glacier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Yeti. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. No, it is awesome. Yeah. yeah it awesome. is neat. I feel very spoiled in that matter yeah. because a lot of, like, to be honest, the amount of hard uh, work we put in with those clothes and the outerwear, outerwear and stuff like that, like, you you do kind of almost need a new set of rain gear almost every year, you know, because when you're wearing them for 80 straight days or whatever it is, and I'm clumsy as all hell. I got one of those down puffies. It was so pretty. Nick was so mad at me. I had, when I finally got to see him at the end of the hunt, I had band-aids all over the thing. <laughs> I had no band-aids left in my first day kit. They're all in the jacket. I was guiding a sheep hunt this year as an archery guy. And we're at the top of the mountain, and I take my backpack off, and I throw it, and I get the binos out, and I'm all, like, infatuated. I'm thinking I'm seeing something, and then I have all these feathers flying past me. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and I'm like, what's bird? going on? Yeah, and I thought, and I never <laughs> clued in right away. And then I look, I tilt my backpack back over, and I'm like, oh, shit. Because my, you know, my jacket was on the outside, and I leaned it on the rocks. It was yeah. pretty funny. And then I had, like, a jet boil burn. All I did was touch, you know, I just singed the edge. Fly, feathers everywhere. <laughs> So we always, I have a bad habit of making the shit, the gear look like shit, you know. <laughs> well, and I had a horse chew my zipper off my jacket this year, hung my jacket up beside the horses that I tied, and the little bud just slowly <laughs> nipped his little eye, and he chewed the whole zipper oh, right off. And your finger. Yeah, that was great, right? <laughs> They're all bad. <laughs> so Mexico, then. Uh, then I got to start working again. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's only so long. I always say I'm retired now. I'm like semi-partially retired. Cool. But, I mean, you work so hard, and it's just neat that we can take the time off. Doran bought a trap line, so we've been living at our trap line cabin for a while, and that's super fun. It's really nice. There's no nothing cell service or anything out there. Right. We Airbnb'd the place out again, so it was really nice to just go detach. We got a wood stove heated cedar barrel hot tub up there. Nice. Awesome. It's really, uh, yeah, quite spoiled there, too, so it's very nice to just not have to entertain anyone, talk to anyone, do anything. Yeah, Is it not too far away from Fernie? It's like probably about uh, 30, 40, maybe 45K on the back roads. And maybe okay. and this year they're plowing in the right direction. It works out for us. So it's about a 12K snowmobile in. Okay, still nice and close to home. Then. Yeah, not, totally. a, not an adventure to get there. Yeah. Or shouldn't be. No. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that one of the rules of a trapping cabin is it's not, you're, you're not able to have it within 50 kilometers of your like uh, residence, like your permanent. Oh. Legal residence. Oh, that's all right. I thought it was kind of funny. So you can't actually own or buy a trap line that's too close to your personal house. Yeah, oh, you can trap on your own property. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. Bizarre. Hmm. I just thought it was a strange. I was like, why? What would you be protecting, or what's? Why, why would you make it 50k yeah, the it's minimum? A, it's a weird number. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, hey, um, thank you so much for doing this, Dennis. Oh, sure. We should do it again because I, I, yeah, yeah. we sit there and talk for so hours. So much more. I know. Yeah, I yeah. told you you'd have to shut me up. Do I a could. seasonal recap. We, it's <laughs> funny. We seen you on the floor yesterday at, oh, yeah. at, at the banquet. Yeah. Greg, I said to Greg, I think I spied you. I'm like, oh, there's nice. look for the hat, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm like, there's Tannis. And then I'm like, oh, we should go talk to her and get it teed up. And then he was chasing you around the floor. Uh, he goes, I couldn't keep up with her. And then yeah. she disappeared. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? Smoke bombed you? Yeah, what? disappeared at the, uh, the packing. Oh, yeah. Just oh. Through the crowd, I'm like, I, I don't know where she went. <laughs> oh, I think, I, yeah, I saw some buds on the yeah. sidelines. Well, I remember that. It's closer yeah. to the bar. One, one oh, yeah. Step. That's, they like to they <laughs> oh, put it in funny. a good location. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Awesome. That's well, cool to see. Get the backpack races. You signing up for that tonight? Or? I don't know. Other <laughs> years they've signed me up. The first year they did, and it was, uh, it was Morgan Dortch. Do you know her at all? She's no, BC girl. Really. She wrangled for us the first year up there. And then I, I was going against her. I'm going to race against her. And I'm thinking in my head, I got, I'm like, I'm going to kick this 22-year-old girl's butt. <laughs> you know. And she was asking like for help putting the backpack on. It's 65 pounds, something. And then when we took off, she was so fast. <laughs> she jumped like through the little luggage carrier thing. And this old lady was like stepped through it. There's no way. I was like, I'm going to be the guy that crashes. <laughs> and I already know from like snowboarding, it's just those injuries aren't worth it. And yeah. you're like drunk on bourbon. There's no way. But it was just funny. I just watched her speed off and i was like oh shit i am an old lady I'm like, <laughs> she's kicking my ass awesome. so i don't think i'm gonna enter it no i just i don't i don't think it's worth it yeah it's not yeah. quite the right thing you know Drinking way, it's and a good sports. Yeah. yeah oh awesome. this place is awesome yeah super good have you been coming for the last five years why well, of course we COVID missed one year two missed two right yeah we came for two missed two this is my third one nice. out of five years yeah just love it yeah it's good it's so wonderful like you can just talk to anybody at any point about sheep, you yeah. know, and everyone has stories and things and lust in their eyes. It's yeah, it's, it's a good time for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today, and okay, we'll cool. get you back uh, maybe after the season next sure. year. Sure. Okay. Thank nice you. hanging out. Thank you. Thanks, boys. Across Canada and throughout the world, if you come across a campfire in the woods, on a mountaintop, or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire.